0: Hello, Katawantok. You're here to come, Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Me, Koroy Hawkins. Coming up.
1: This is clearly a work of the National Government who has not been happy about Madrid's stand in
0: China. Outspoken Solomon Islands Premier and China critic ousted the no confidence motion also
2: because we only share one ocean together, in some way we all gonna be affected.
0: A Japanese seaweed farmer calls for solidarity with the Pacific in opposition to his country's plans to dump nuclear waste water in the ocean and And it could be
3: for instance the two winner of the Asian Champions League with our Super League.
0: Exciting times ahead for football in Oceania, following an MOU signing with the Asian Football Confederation. There have been reports of unrest in Solomon Islands' Malaita province, where the outspoken provincial premier Daniel Sudani has been ousted in a motion of no confidence. The Malaita provincial assembly on Tuesday morning local time passed the motion against Daniel Sudani in absentia. Mr. Sudani and members of his executive refused to attend the debate as he was waiting for a high court order prohibiting the motion to be moved. Moira Tulapatela spoke with Mr. Sudani's political advisor, Celsus Talifilu, about the day's events.
1: The motion went, on, uh, went ahead today, uh, but the uh, premier's uh, uh, executive at that time didn't attend the meeting. They were asked by the know the people who came to support them not to attend the meeting. Uh, they were actually waiting for, for a decision of a court case that <clears throat> the Premier took against uh, the decisions that were made by the Speaker that uh, created the motion of no confidence. Uh, but unfortunately, when while they were still waiting for the decision of the court, uh, the uh, Speaker allowed the, the proceedings to go ahead. And uh, therefore, uh, because The other side, the non-executive side of the house, has the numbers. They went ahead ahead with the the motion uh, because there were 17 of them. They have the majority. Only the 17 of them were attending the meeting, and the motion was moved, and then it was was passed. And Premier uh, therefore lost the seat.
4: What was the reasons given for the motion of no confidence? I suppose there were
1: two prone approaches that they took. One. They have used the procedures uh, in the Assembly uh, by way of defeating a revised budget session. And the decision was uh, made by the Speaker to allow a motion to be taken on a statement made by the the, uh, Minister of Finance. That's one. And the other reasons that were given uh, in the papers, not obviously, uh, that were given by in the media, one was with uh, with regards to a Chinese mining company that recently was given approval by uh, the uh, Mineral Board or the Ministry of Mines and Energy to conduct uh, a service agreement uh, with land-owning groups in the eastern part of Malaita. And uh, and they did not exist a claim that Recently, the premier had received money from this company called Win Win, uh, and and have given the company a business license from the province for them to to operate in Malaysia, which is totally false. That's one of one of the allegations. There was an allegation in regards to what they call PCDF, it's provincial government something project that is funded through the Ministry of Provincial Government to all provinces. Now, the non-executive are claiming that Malita lost, was not being able to be given part of the CD, PCDF because, because of MARA, which is the government of Prime Sudanese. But in fact, uh, Malita province lost 80% of the, business. there were minimal, minimum conditions that has to be met. So uh, all in all, I would say the reasons for this motion are publicated look as though it's a failure of the Maragov government in effect. Even, even falsifying information about the winning situation and the uh, PCDF affair, all these things have no substantive, I mean they, they are totally false uh, yet because this group, um, as we know, have been running a campaign to ask the Premier Sudani, this is a large and and we know Uh, from observing what has been happening, this is clearly a work of the national government who has not been happy about Malita uh, standing in China uh, after the decision was made by the current national government to make the switch from Taiwan to China.
4: I just wanted to ask, too, there were allegations of national government interference in provincial politics. Are these accurate?
1: Yes, I must say that's really accurate. Uh, While it's difficult to actually get evidence, there are things that have happened between the provincial government and the political advisors in the prime minister office that have all met with members of the non-executive staff all the time. And one clear example was recently, there was an opening of a wharf in North Malaita and some other things. The prime minister was there. The only time he has come to Malita during his current uh, prime minister seat. And all except one, all the non-executive members who were there attending the ceremony, the only deputy premier of Malta province represents the executive, whereas all those who were there and even arranged those things were members of the non-executive side. So that's a clear indication that it has always, the non-executive has always been backed by Honiara. Uh, even using the patrol boat who, uh, who came now the second time to Malaita uh, on issues to do with politics in Malaita. And, and now this one, I think they have come in overwhelming force uh, to to support uh, the movers of the motion uh, to have it done the way they want it to be, uh, to be done.
4: Do you think your opposition to China is part of the reasons for the no-confidence motion?
1: I personally feel it's all... the. It's the, the, it's the reason, it's the reason for all this, uh, these three motions. Because if you observe, you know, the provincial government, including Marita province, there was no time in our history that a provincial government, let alone Marita province, have faced any unprecedented numbers of motions of no conference in a given government. So we know it is because Malita province stands against the recognition of China that this has been ongoing until now.
4: Um, Some commentators have said slow delivery on the U.S. aid projects that were promised have lost you some supporters in the public. Do you think this is true?
1: To some extent, because of the way people understand these things and and the way some people want to spin that information uh, to make it look as though uh, U.S. and Maragammanha are not uh, incapable of doing these things. So, of course, yes, there were. The the premier has often uh, been, uh, you know, tried to liaise with uh, USAID and others, but recognizing that they have the systems as well. But it would be quite right to say that should these things implement a little bit more faster as, uh, as in relation to the context on the ground, In terms of people's expectation and ignorance of the processes that these teams would have done, uh, uh, should be done alone, then it would be correct to say that yeah, there was some, there was some of those teams that have played in, and people who see those things, you know, amplify the conversation uh, against uh, Mara.
4: And I guess uh, what are what are you going to do now going forward?
1: Well, we have. uh, set up a political party yet to be registered. But I think, uh, as people who are interested in, in the affairs of, of our province and, and of course the girl Solomon at, at large, we will continue to pursue our political interest under this, uh, uh political party uh, set up that we, we believe we, we can able to, you know, use a platform to reach out to the people and educate them about you know nature of development politics in this, in Malaysia and solomon Islands.
4: um do you know whether um the premier um whether Mr Suidani will contest the next provincial assembly election later this year
1: Yes, that's what he has been preaching uh he said that he will continue to plan for the point of assembly for his word word five in Malaita. So, oh, yes, I can confidently say that she will stand again uh, should the election happen whenever. There was a talk that the current uh, the current movers of the motion were hoping, and, in fact, they were saying that the, the uh, national government to the deputy prime minister assured them that if should they, should they take the government as they did now, they would the, the national government would will, will be willing uh, to make amendments to the provincial government act. Uh, to allow for further extension of the current assembly maybe up until the end of year or even before the election in April next year.
4: And I just wanted to check my final two questions. Uh, what happens now and is there any other legal ag- avenue or parliamentary avenue that can be taken to for him to challenge the vote of no confidence?
1: So the Speaker have announced that uh, nominations for a new uh, new for a new premier will open tomorrow nine a m tomorrow and close on friday and it looks like uh the election of a new premier will happen next week i don't know what time next week that timeline that was given uh to today by by the speaker to them uh, after the election, after the the motion that took place today in terms of le- legal avenues yes In fact, uh, you might have heard that the premier actually took the speaker to court on these issues of uh, abusing process uh, that resulted in the motion of no confidence. The case was here today morning, but the judge uh, have not able to give the judgment um, to the premier. So what is happening now is the, the deputy premier will take up the case again, Uh, as a new claimant to pursue the issue that were taken to court today morning because they feel that uh, the lawyer that they took uh, to present the case wasn't competent good enough to make the point uh, that would have swayed maybe the decision of the judge to look into whether the motion of no confidence was legally orchestrated or was it a culmination of misprocedural judgment by the speaker that ended up with the motion. law. So yes, I can f- confirm that the, the deputy premier, uh, who is now the acting premier of Malita Province, would be taking will be taking up the uh, case against uh, took up the case again uh, and and take up the case with a new lawyer to pursue the matter in the court.
0: Meanwhile, the Speaker of the Assembly has declared the current Deputy Premier of Malaita, Glenn Waneta, as the Acting Premier of the province. The nomination for a new Premier will open at 8.30am on Wednesday and will close at 4.30pm on Thursday. The situation remains tense in the provincial capital, Auki, with the reports of police firing tear gas to quell unrest in the provincial capital on Tuesday morning. A Japanese seaweed farmer believes there is no way an upcoming release of over a million tons of treated Fukushima nuclear wastewater into the Pacific Ocean will be safe, despite the Tokyo Electric Power Company's assurances. Lydia Lewis spoke with seaweed farmer Futoshi Aizawa and colonialism researcher Miku Narisawa, who acted as a translator for the interview, about their experience speaking out about their concerns at an international conference held in New Zealand late last year. They live just two hours from the release site in Japan and say they feel silenced.
2: What are the real-life impacts that you deal and with? For me, it was kind of difficult for us to just speak up internationally because the background is that in Japan, even the the issue is nuclearization or Fukushima Daiichi disaster nuclearization. We feel that we know we don't have any space to speak up for that. So uh, we know a lot of politicians or officials in the city are trying to hold us from like speaking up about us this kind of issues but because I have a background living in the uh, United States and Europe I have more uh, confidence to speak up those kind of things what it, we have to do as a um, young generation or someone who working in the fields um, with water so the lack of awareness is something that I wanted to mention about the world for Toshi, what is your answer to
5: yeah. that question those what, those what's important low. to you yeah
1: He's
2: really advocate for sustaining, securing a sustained food, and how, especially here in Higashi Matsushima, we get food uh, from our oceans. So that's how we sustain our life here. If we think about the role over the responsibility that we have, how we have to take care of our oceans. Then he's, you know, we can narrow it down to the nuclearization.
5: But this has been years in the making, and mm-hmm. they're saying it is safe.
2: The way that the governments uh, describe about the safety of the uh, Fukushima Daiichi disaster um, is that so from this, I think twenty twenty three March or April, that they're gonna release the contamination of water. But the only way that the governments say is that okay, we remove the the chemical or the, the tritium, yeah, yeah, the tritium. That's it. So then it's safe. But we haven't really received the any like specific or uh, information about the safetiness. I mean, if we look at the like academia journal or something, maybe like, we can look at it. But in terms of, like a news or daily basis, uh, the people we live. Um, that live here really don't have uh, any um, specific or
5: they've said to me since the conference that the people who don't agree are just misinformed and not educated so if they yeah, are yeah. right and it's they a, and it is mm-hmm. safe is mm-hmm. it is it their fault for not communicating it or do you believe firmly that it is not okay or is it a little bit of both
2: or is there a lack of trust as well i feel like the lack of trust is more persuasive and also miscommunication is also the key issues for example i closely work with local fisheries in daily basis and a lot of um, i grew up in the fishery community so a lot of my neighbors are fisheries and we talk about this issue a lot but you know, even if we wanted to disagree, the discharge of contamination water, I mean, we don't really have a method of reaching out. Or even if we raise a voice, then they're just going to ignore it. That's our feeling. Futoshi, what is what is your response?
1: <laughs> So he says
2: that uh, within the contemporary society in Japan, there is the gap or miscommunication between politics and the people, like ordinary people like us. So, for example, the food we eat, we get from uh, supermarket daily, but because the food is already in the market, the people that you know, the normal people, they don't really understand how the food grow or how food are produced. But from our perspective, uh, we are working on—we uh, are really working on towards, or the teach or educate people how you know how we grow, how we grow, uh, grow our food, and how your food has been produced. And he, you know, we when we have a workshop together, we kind of have, we talk about the how those, our environment has been impacted and how we should protect our uh, water or oceans or uh, environments. And he, we kind of, you know. What's your message to them? <laughs> if we, there's opportunity, we love to uh, talk with um, just you know, meet, meet with them because, you know, we haven't really got to the point that we can, discuss this topic with those kind of people who plays a really you know key roles in terms of um, policy and the decision making stuff like that even the fishermen or the young ones and so within Japan the narrative about narrative of this nuclear issue with Fukushima is that you know people said or media or the government say that the only people or the only group that has been affected is a fisherman but it's not true. But because all the people in japan are affecting cuz the pe- you know food cuz we uh, consume the food on daily basis that comes from pacific oceans but we don't the government or the society hasn't really critically thinking about this way um like is there any possibility that it could
5: be safe we don't feel there's a possibility of um, safety yeah so, what would you like now? What is a realistic next step? This is happening mm-hmm. yes. in the matter of months, and all yes. week I keep doing stories on is they need to stop it. New Zealand, the New Zealand government isn't going to take mm-hmm. Japan to court. I've I've spoken with the New Zealand government, and they're not doing that. So we, at
2: this point, it is as you said, it's really hard for us to stop the government to release the water. Uh, so in. Instead, we would like to, uh, the government to disclose the num, disclose the measurement of the number of the nuclear. Um, ha- sorry, I don't know how to translate, but, um, so the, we live in next to Fukushima. So of course, because we are maybe two hours away from Fukushima. So of course, we share a same ocean, same water here. So then we want the number, uh, after they measure The um, you know, those kind of chemical components after discharge around this water.
5: Okay, so they want constant measurements Mm -hmm. of the nuclear components of discharge. Are you disappointed in the New Zealand government for not taking the lead on this? Do you believe friends should hold friends to account?
2: Japan should be the one, you know, taking responsibility for that. I don't think I also have a responsibility to be disappointed at them because, you know, we have to work or stop this within the country first. This is really time for us to really think about how we could cultivate this solidarity with the Pacific, you know, because we only share one ocean together. In some way, we're all going to be affected. But, you know, the way that we could get this close is you know, depends on how and what kind of action that we take from here. And then, um, I wanted to answer your uh, the previous question about the what's the next step for um, for us. Um, I would really, uh, you know, I'm really agree with what Hutoshi said. Just said about that we need a number, and I want I want a data or the number that we can really trust. If is it safe for us to consume our fish or you know the foods that we grew up here or we catch from the pacific oceans because uh, right now we can't really trust you know this is i think you know taking measurement it's something really critical uh actions for the next generation
1: too <laughs> <laughs> he
2: also agreed for our. Uh, I just um, translated what I said, and he also agrees that he you know we can be disappointed for uh New Zealand governments or other Pacific Islands governments, but uh first of all, uh we don't have any responsibility or we don't we shouldn't be disappointed of them because Japan should first take in this um responsibility to fix this
1: mm-hmm. あの、it'
2: will be really nice. Uh, if we could create opportunity for all the Pacific, uh, people who live in the Pacific, maybe even with uh, within the Pacific Rim, uh, the country or people who face who live with the Pacific Ocean, to so come up with how many percentage of your body or has been uh made out of the fish or the foods that we uh consume every day. So then we could kind of um uh, discuss about the importance of food that we consume and then we think about where that fish or food comes from and it's Pacific Oceans. And you know then he said that food is the key um to understand the you know danger of these nuclear issues or also the importance of protecting our environments in the ocean in terms of the this uh, issue with nuclear uh, issue in Fukushima you know because it's a water so water can go anywhere around the Pacific goes a current so then it's you know not only within Japan but we need a broader discussions with all the Pacific people
0: the pair want more transparency by the government of Japan and call on nations surrounded by the Pacific Ocean to stand together on the issue. The Pacific Islands Forum Secretary-General is in Japan this week to talk to the government about Pacific leaders' concerns. The Oceania Football Confederation and the Asian Football Confederation have signed an agreement they say will see more matches between countries from the two FIFA regions. The Memorandum of Understanding was signed in Bahrain during the Asian body's annual congress. A joint statement said the MOU will result in high-level competition for men's and women's teams and the exchanging of knowledge, experience and resources. Craig Stephen talked to the OFC's General Secretary, Frank Castillo, who represented the OFC in Bahrain, to find out more about the exciting development.
3: So we have an uh, excellent relationship with the Asian Football Confederation. And uh, so we have decided to work uh, closely together. So we signed an MOU, So the MOU has uh, two components. The first one is uh, a high-level competition. So we are thinking, for instance, to organize friendlies for national teams, for men. We also think about creating new competitions at the club level. So you have probably heard that uh, we'll have a professional league by 2025. And it could be, for instance, the two winners of the Asian Champions League with our Super League. And then for our championship and Champions League, OFC Champions League, it could be the winner and the second, the runner, uh, with the two from the AFC Cup. Uh, for the women, it will be only at the national team. Uh, so it's uh, also friendlies that will organize uh, between national teams from OFC and national team from uh, AFC. And the second component, it's more capacity building because you know that we want to have this professional league and we want to become more professional. So we need to develop the entire uh, uh, scope of football. So it will be an exchange of uh, knowledge and experience and resources. And it's, uh, for instance, by uh, attending workshops in Asia about uh, development, about competitions, about coaching, referring, education, legal communication. So the entire scope of football.
6: OK, that that's quite comprehensive. There's quite a lot in there. Um, let's just focus first and all on the yeah. matches between the international sides, uh, yep. men's and women's. So would that mean, say, for example, that... Um, a, a, Maybe Solomon Islands might play in perhaps China or Japan.
3: Yes, it could be that. And uh, the uh, the purpose of this MU is that we pay only the flights, and they cover all the the costs uh, uh, in in inside the country. Okay, so, so accommodation, meals, and transportation.
6: All right. So, do you expect these matches to happen um, in Pacific countries or in Asia?
3: Uh, yes, and uh, oh, it could be also the reverse. Uh, but uh, you know, would be more interesting to send our team in Asia. Uh, they may be very interesting IFC to, to come for the futsal and beach soccer because I think we have like a strong team. But for football, yes, it, it will be probably more to send the teams
6: in Asia. Okay, I mean, it certainly sounds like an exciting adventure. And, and would, would I. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, presumably, this would, would be a great help for Pacific teams to, sure. strength, to, to get to improve their standards.
3: Correct. And, 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 you know, it's because of this excellent relationship that we have uh, uh, since the 2018, the OFC president met with the AFC president and the AFC president said, OK, we are going to help you. You know that uh, we are the smallest confederation uh, in the world and, uh, and we are very happy that we have this kind of relationship with AFC.
6: Now, when do you expect these uh, matches to happen?
3: Uh, probably next year and not this year because we have a, a full calendar this year but we'll try to get some friendlies for next year. And uh, after, for the competition for clubs, it'll be more, let's say, more 2025 and 2026 and
6: and after. And uh, do you have in mind at this stage sort of like which teams might be involved? But like I said,
3: for the clubs, uh, it will be normally, for instance, the the winner and the runner-up of our uh, Super League that could compete with the winner of the AFC Champions League. But we will keep our Champions League as well and we could have the winner of the Champions League and the uh, runner-up competing against the winner and the runner-up of the AFC Nations Cup.
6: Is there a possibility perhaps of maybe um, beyond these international friendlies um, the possibility of, say, like a a, a tournament that might involve Pacific and Asian teams?
3: Uh, Yes, it's also part of this uh, MOU. actually. Uh, We could potentially include a team from the uh, from Asia in our competition current competition and uh, AFC could do also the same but we need to be careful it should not be like a qualifier for any world cup.
6: Okay all right and now you mentioned um the um there was plans for a new OFC professional league can you maybe tell yeah. me about a bit about that?
3: Yeah that's a that's a big big project for us uh, you know that we are the only confederation without a professional league and uh, since 2019 the OFC president said okay uh, we cannot live uh, and, and, and operate in a amateur environment. So we have been working really hard since 2019. And uh, recently in November, the Executive Committee decided that to have this professional league by 2025. So uh, uh, we are working on that. So it's very ambitious. Uh, we plan to have a, a minimum of seven teams. And maybe team uh, uh, overseas, like uh, beyond the Pacific, but I cannot tell you more about that. But this will be a game-changer for football.
6: This is So this is an actual league, and this would presumably then um, replace the current OFC Champions League? For, sorry, no. No, no, it's not. No, right. <laughs>
3: no, no. <laughs> we want to keep the OFC Champions League at the amateur level, and we want to create a Super League above the Champions League. Uh, we, we want to work with the amateur clubs, uh, because... This is the heart of football. And we want to keep this championship for them. But then after, we want to have a level above, a professional level, uh, to make sure that uh, every single uh, football player can evolve in a professional environment and after, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, join the national team and, and see the performance at the world stage.
6: Well, I mean, this certainly sounds like an exciting time for um, Pacific uh, football.
3: Yes, it is. It is. And, and what we want as well... It's for children. You know, when, when they, they enter in the grassroots level, at the grassroots level, uh, I know some of them, they have dream, but it was never possible to become reality. With the professional league, they, if they work hard, if they play well, then they will have this opportunity. And that, again, like I said, it's a game changer.
6: Okay, and, and um, just one more thing. Um, with all this um, extra activity, is there any plans to perhaps improve the facilities in Pacific Nations? Stadiums yes, this is, or
3: yes they, definitely. It's, it's part of the plan. Huh? Like I said, the, the professional league will be an, an ecosystem. It will have an impact on uh, professionalisation at the administration level, but also improvement of the facilities. And we are working very closely with FIFA. Because FIFA has one programme, one specific programme, to make sure that each country can get one stadium at the very high level.
6: OK, all right. Excellent demo. Thanks very much for that, Frank. That's... You're welcome. All right.
3: So We will invite you for the first game in 2025,
6: hopefully. All right. <laughs> I look forward to that. Thank you. Have a nice day. Cheers now. Bye. Bye.
0: That's specific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. We you for that next time more.